Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, appreciate you guys coming on out. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Today we are continuing the series that we've been in called Follow Me. Now, kind of the big theme for this series, if you will, is this idea that Jesus really was a master evangelist. When you go back and you read the Gospels, you see that he had this sort of unique ability to engage with anyone and everyone, kind of rich, poor, powerful, powerless. And what you see is that people who were nothing like him liked him. They, they, they wanted to be in his company. They wanted to be in his presence. They really wanted to hear what he had to say. And so our goal for this series is to try to figure out what was his secret sauce, to learn how he kind of engaged with people. And then we're going to follow his lead as we go out into the world to share the message of Jesus Christ. That is the mission that God has given all Christians. If you're a Christian in the room, he says, I'm going to send you out there in the world. You're not a part of the world, but you're going to reach people in my son's name. So let me kind of set the stage for today, because today's message is a little different than usual in terms of the things that we're discussing today. Now, as we go out into the world to share the message of Jesus Christ, okay, Scripture is pretty clear that not everyone is going to be receptive to that gospel. That as you go out into the world and you go in your workplace, you go to your gym or you go to your school or you're in your neighborhood, wherever you're looking for opportunities to talk to other people about Jesus, there's a solid chance, a pretty good chance that you're going to run into folks that are just not receptive. They might be hostile towards the gospel. They might be sort of antagonistic or combative uh, with the gospel. And many times you will see folks who, for you know, one reason or another, are just not ready to kind of hear the gospel. They're just not ready to really respond to the message of Jesus Christ. What I want to do today is I want to focus on this group. In this series, we're trying to figure out how we can minister to every single person on our path. So how do we engage with those individuals? Maybe they live in your house with you. Maybe they're at your job with you who are just not ready kind of hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for the purposes of this series, how did Jesus engage with folks who were just not ready to hear his message? To find out, I want to look at a really interesting interaction that is found in the book of Luke, chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 25. Luke tells us that one day an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. So let's stop. What do we know so far about our characters? We got a guy, Luke says, he's an expert in the law. Um, now, whenever a Jewish person would use this term, the law, that was a blanket term that would mean anything from the Ten Commandments. It could mean the laws of Moses. It could be the first five books of the Bible, known as the Pentateuch. Or it could be the entire Old Testament. So whatever the case may be, this guy's an expert in, in the Bible. He knows it all. And he's really a know-it-all at the same time. And he's asking Jesus questions to test him. Here's the question he poses to Jesus. Teacher, there's our word from last week. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Well, that's a great question. I mean, pastors would kill for someone to just like ask them this question. This is, a, what a softball question for Jesus, honestly. What like a layup for Jesus, whatever layup is. So let's kind of camp out on this question for just a moment, because there's something interesting here. Hypothetically, let me ask you a question. Christians in the room. <coughs> What if a neighbor on your street finds out that you're a Christian 
They walk over to your house, they knock on your door, you, unlike me, actually open your front door, and they ask you, hey, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Now, in reality, they're probably not going to ask it like this. It's going to be more like, hey, what do I have to do to go to heaven? Something along those lines. Whatever the case may be, their question really is the similar question to what the expert of the law asks. So if someone says, hey, you're a Christian, can you tell me how to become a Christian too? What would you say? How would you answer that? Would you be able to answer that question? One of my best friends was a collegiate rower. Um, and one of the big schools in the area recently found out that she was this collegiate rower. They gave her a call. They said, hey, listen, we're going to be launching this brand new rowing program. We would love if you can come and, and kind of get this program off the ground. And she was telling me, and I go, this is, wow, that's amazing. Congratulations. That's really, that's really cool. And then I asked the seemingly stupid question that really led to an interesting conversation. I said, well, do you, do you know how to coach? And she says, it's funny you should ask that. I know how to row. You put me in a boat, I'll win that race. I know the boat, I know the oars, I know the sport, I know myself, I know the mechanics, but I'm not sure I could tell somebody else how to row. I'll need to study that. How many of us feel the same way about our faith? It, it's like, you know, yeah, I'm a Christian, but if I had to tell someone else how to become a Christian, I'm not sure I could. Like, I, I, know, I know I'm saved, right? I know Jesus is real. I know, I know he's in my life, but yikes, wow. Like, I, if I actually had to articulate my, my beliefs and my faith and, and lead someone to Christ, so to speak, I don't know if I could do that. The apostle Peter said, always be ready to tell everyone who asks you about why you believe as you do. In other words, he's saying, the time is going to come, my friend, trust me, when someone's going to ask you about your faith. It's part of your mission here on earth as a Christian. So you better be prepared how to answer their question. So with that in mind, how does Jesus answer this man's question about eternal life? What should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies, well, what does the law of Moses say? Right? You know the Bible very well, right? How do you read it? You tell me. Now, don't miss what just happened here. This man asked Jesus about eternal life, and Jesus doesn't answer his question. Because Jesus knows that this man right now in this moment is not sincere. It's a test. Jesus looks into this guy's heart and he observes the man's insincerity and he responds not with the gospel, but rather with a question. You know the Bible. You tell me how to inherit eternal life. So the man answered. He says, you must love the Lord, with all your, uh, Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's actually a great answer. Technically speaking, this is accurate. That if one were to do this perfectly, one would, in fact, inherit eternal life. Here's the problem. You can't do it perfectly. There's only one person in the history of mankind, that is Jesus, who was able to do this perfectly. But Jesus hears this guy's answer, and he goes, right. Like, yeah, do this. Do it. And you will live. Implication. No one can do this. Now, that was unsettling for this expert of the law. Kind of lost his footing there for a moment. So he asks the follow-up question to Jesus. It says, the man wanted to justify his actions, right? kind of make himself look good. So he asked Jesus, and uh, who is my neighbor? 
And once again, Jesus does not answer this man's question. Instead, Jesus tells this man a story. In this particular story, this parable would go on to be one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told. It's called the Good Samaritan. Jesus tells a story about this Jewish man who was beaten, robbed, and left for dead on a country road. And then a Jewish priest comes along and sees his fellow Jew on the ground. And what does he do? Nothing. Crosses to the other side of the road. Does nothing. Well, thankfully, a Jewish temple assistant then comes by and sees this pitiful sight. And what does he do? Nothing. Passes by. Crosses to the other side of the road. But then Jesus says, a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Jesus said he then brings this guy to a local inn, pays for the guy's room, goes to the innkeeper and says, hey, listen, I got to go. You watch him. I'll be back in a couple of days. And if there's any extra expense, I'll cover the charges. Jesus then backs out of this parable. He looks at this religious leader and he says, now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Couldn't even say the word Samaritan. The one who showed him mercy. So let's talk about how Jesus used this story in this interaction. The first thing that we see is that this parable was absolutely a theological put-down, as I would kind of call it. Jesus refused, was not interested in getting into some sort of theological game that this guy desired. You know, a game where somebody shows off how much they know, and the other guy goes, and whoever's the smartest wins, okay? No, not interested in that. Instead of getting a debate, which is what this guy wanted, this guy receives what is, in his mind, a children's story. But Jesus' parable was no kid's story. It was a beautiful illustration answering the question, well, who is my neighbor? Jesus' story shows us that our neighbor isn't just our spouse. It's not just our children. It's not just our family or our friends or the people that we actually like. Rather, our neighbor is anyone who is in need of our help, especially, or perhaps even, an enemy. Now, what's more, this children's story answers the question, what does it mean to love one's neighbor as oneself? Remember, this is what this guy quoted to Jesus. He said, you do this, you'll inherit eternal life. So how do you do this? Jesus' parable teaches us that true love of one's neighbor requires the sacrifice of time and money and energy and convenience and maybe even safety. In other words, law Love requires the sacrifice of oneself for another. Through this story, Jesus is essentially saying to this expert, I want you to think before you so lightly declare God's commandments. It is so easy, he would say, to say that God's law requires us to love our neighbor as oneself, but it is another matter entirely to put that into practice. Jesus is challenging this man and us, for that matter, as the audience, to think about the relationship between knowing the truth and doing the truth. People who know God's word well may not necessarily be those who obey God's word well. In Jesus' story, the priest and the temple assistant, these supposed men of God, these men who would know scripture backwards and forwards, they did not obey God's word, which means that expert knowledge doesn't necessarily lead to love. 
Jesus is craftily telling this expert, until you practice what you preach, I really don't care what you know. Now, there's one last facet to this story, and that is that Jesus told this story to reveal the prejudices of the heart, ours and that expert of the law. Jesus wanted that Bible teacher to examine those prejudices that existed in his own heart. Samaritans were regarded as unclean, immoral, and heretical by the Jews. But Jesus' parable suggests that the despised Samaritan was the one who was fulfilling God's law when the the leaders of Judaism were not. Jesus chose to use the most difficult example possible to make this story scandalous to this expert, to show him that the one who was obedient to God's law is the one that we least expected it. Okay, so what can we learn from this encounter? How do we follow Jesus' lead? This is the question we're going to ask every single week. What lessons can we draw from Jesus' conversation with this expert of the law? How can we follow his lead as we go out into the world to share the message of Jesus Christ? The first thing that we learn from this interaction is that evangelism takes time. Bringing someone to a what I'll call saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is often a slow process. But what I see far too often, particularly in the evangelical churches, is that we want to see people come to Christ immediately. It's like ABC, always be closing right? Let's present them the gospel immediately. Let's have them pray that prayer that doesn't exist in the Bible. Let's have them raise their hands. Let's have them walk forward, right? And then boom, they're a Christian. Like we're churning out Christian widgets every day here on a Sunday, okay? But does Jesus evangelize like that? Notice in this encounter that Jesus did not present the gospel to this man. Did you pick up on that? He never answered this man's question about how to inherit eternal life. Jesus was content on this occasion, and in this moment in this man's life, to send this guy away without hearing the gospel. Why? Because Jesus knows. Timing's not right. This guy's not ready for that particular conversation. Instead of giving him the gospel, he gives this guy questions to ponder and meditate on in his heart. I think we see a great principle at work here, and that is that salvation really is the result of a process. If you ask somebody about their faith story, hey, you know, you're a Christian, how'd you come to faith? Chances are, like nine times out of ten, their story is going to include a series of events and encounters and conversations that spanned many years, sometimes even decades. There wasn't necessarily just one singular conversation. Rather, God uses many situations many conversations, many people to reach a person's heart. And we see today in this encounter is that this particular man in this particular moment in time just wasn't ready to hear the truth. He wasn't in a place to be receptive to the gospel. And so Jesus didn't offer it. Truth is, a lot of us have friends and family, maybe adult children, Neighbors, just like this man. They're they're living here. They're just not ready to hear the gospel. They're just not ready to respond to the gospel. Maybe it's a pride issue. I don't know. Maybe it's a heart issue. Whatever the case may be, I think Jesus is showing us that sometimes, not always, but sometimes 
a direct presentation of the gospel is not the best course of action. Now that might be off-putting to some of you. Because we've been so programmed to give them the gospel, give them the gospel, give them the gospel, ABC, pray that prayer, walk on forward. But Jesus is showing us that sometimes you don't give them the gospel. So if Jesus didn't give this man a direct presentation of the gospel, what did he do to share the gospel with this man? I would argue that Jesus shares the gospel through his grace and through his mercy. While he might not have directly articulated a message of forgiveness and grace and mercy found in Christ alone. Grace and mercy were present in Jesus himself. In the time, in the energy, in, in, in the careful reflection, shall we say, that he gave to this man who came to test him. Now let's be clear. This expert did not deserve the care and kindness that he received from Jesus Christ. But he received it. And so it must be with us as well. In all of our conversations with folks, they need to see in our words, in our manner, in our lives, some small reflection of Jesus. Sometimes we don't need to preach the gospel, we just need to be the gospel, okay? By loving others, by serving others, by our willingness to dialogue with them and actually listen to what they're saying and what they might believe in this moment in their life. They might not be in the right headspace to respond to the message of Jesus Christ, but man, they can be changed by the love of Christ in us. Are we living in a way that we are communicating grace and kindness to the people on our path? The last thing that Jesus shows us today is really the importance of asking questions. At some point in your life, trust me, someone's going to ask you a question about your faith, about Jesus, about the Bible. It's going to happen. Now, their questions might be authentic. They might be genuine. They really might want to learn something, or maybe they might be loaded. Who knows? Whatever the case may be, our natural reaction when someone asks us a question is to give them an answer. Here's the thing with answers. Answers and discussions. Questions, however, spark dialogue. If we just hand somebody an answer, we have not gone as far as we can go. Our goal is to help folks enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and part of that is helping them think on their own. This is exactly what Jesus does with this man, and we see Jesus doing it all over Scripture. In fact, we did a whole series on the questions of Jesus. It really was one of his primary methods of communicating to unbelievers. We see that Jesus asks people questions because he wants to know them. He wants to know their heart. He wants to know their story. He wants to know what's going on in their lives. And so for us to follow Jesus' lead, we too need genuine love and concern for the folks on our path. There needs to be a readiness to ask them questions because we truly desire to know them. And we have to have prayerful discernment about what questions to ask, how much to say, and maybe what not to say. So Jesus asks people questions to, to know them, but he also asks them questions to know themselves. We, too, need to help folks understand themselves. Now, this expert clearly didn't understand his own heart. He had very little self-knowledge, and so Jesus asks him questions 
to try to get him to see his own motivations. He got this guy thinking about why he approached Jesus. Why did I ask about eternal life? Did I truly want to know what Jesus had to say? What is my attitude towards people who are in need of my help? Have I ever loved someone like that Samaritan woman? The great prophet Jeremiah said that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Wow. Which means we may come into contact with folks with very little self-knowledge and all sorts of ways to conceal from themselves the true motivations of their heart. But what is also true is that none of us know ourselves very well either. So we've got to be gentle and gracious with the people that we speak to because as soon as we start thinking about their hidden motives, as soon as we start thinking about their lack of self-awareness, we should be reminded of our own as well. That's what Jesus said last week. Remember? He said, take the plank out of your own eye first. Then you can help others see clearly. The great Protestant reformer, a guy named John Calvin, said, uh, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. If we want people to know God, we have to ask them questions to help them know themselves. Because it is only when you truly understand yourself, it is only when you truly understand the condition of your own heart that you are ready to recognize that you are, in fact, in need of a Savior. So, what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC, Every single week, we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure that you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So today, I want to give you two practicals, two things to meditate on, two prompts, if you will, to, to think about this week. Now, the first practical is based off the challenge that Peter gave us, and we, we looked at this verse. Peter said, always be ready to tell everyone who asks you why you believe as you do. In another translation, it says to be able to talk about the hope that's in your heart. Essentially what Peter is saying here is, Christians, hey, listen, Christians in the room, you got to know your story. You got to know your story. And so this week, my challenge to you would be spend some time reflecting about your journey with Christ. Well, how did you come to know him as your Lord and Savior? Who was involved in that process? What did your life look like before you knew Jesus? What does it look like now? What was church like for you prior to knowing Jesus? Was it even in your life at all? What about the Bible? How does all of that look now that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? One day, someone might ask you about the hope that's in your heart, and you owe it to them. You do. To be able to communicate and articulate your faith. That being said, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Okay, because I can imagine some of you right now are panicking out there. You're thinking about having to deliver some sort of monologue about your salvation, like a Shakespearean soliloquy, right? Like it's the Gettysburg Address or something. No, okay? Peter does not expect you to be the next Billy Graham. He, does, he is not asking, okay? He just wants you to be able to share your heart. Remember, God is the one who saves, not you. Share your heart. God will do the rest. The next practical is to remember that spiritual conversations really are a delicate art. Every person that you meet is different. Everyone is on a unique journey. They've had unique experiences, unique relationships, they have different worldviews, etc., etc. 
Now, the message of Jesus is for everyone. Hard stuff. But how we present the message of Jesus should be custom-tailored to each person we meet. Jesus approached every conversation differently. He never had some canned speech that he gave. And so we too must approach every conversation differently. And so whenever you find yourself, perhaps in the midst of a spiritual conversation, ask God for discernment. It's a theological term for sort of understanding. Lord, open my eyes, please, to help me know who I'm dealing with. Direct my words. Let them be your words, not mine. Help me to know exactly how I can help this individual. Help me to know what to say and perhaps what not to say. And help me to have the peace to know that it is you, not me, who will ultimately save them. Let me pray for you. Dear Holy Father, I want to thank you that we have the opportunity to look at this really interesting interaction, God. So many of us in this room, Lord, who are Christians, have people in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, who maybe we've tried to talk to them about you, and it's just, it's, it's almost like we're, we're going backwards, Lord. Maybe the case is they're just not ready yet. God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would give us the discernment to know how to share the gospel with those individuals Maybe we use words, but maybe we use love and service and kindness, God. Help us to know what to do to bring people to you. God, Lord, if there is someone in this room right now that does not know how to inherit eternal life, I pray, Jesus, that today might be the day that they finally understand that you came to this world to die on their behalf, and that should they just say yes to you, they will be made right with the creator of this universe and will inherit eternal life. Lord, be with us this week as we leave these doors to go out and carry out your mission to reach others in the mighty, powerful, and precious name of Jesus. We ask all this in Jesus' name.